According to the National Center for Drug Abuse, over 165 million Americans ages 12 and up are currently abusing drugs or alcohol. Of those 165 million Americans, there is a mom, dad, sister, brother, wife, husband, son, daughter, or grandparent praying and pleading that they would stop. Addiction is a subject most people don't like to talk about and is kept behind closed doors. But the Finding Hope podcast will bring light to the subject and give families that are living in shame, guilt, hopelessness, fear, worry, and anger, tools and education to find strength, peace, happiness, joy, and hope. Hello, I'm Amy LaRue, Finding Hope Coordinator for Hope is Alive Ministries and your host for this Finding Hope podcast. At Hope is Alive, our mission is to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love them. We do this through our intentional next level sober living homes and faith-based support groups for the loved ones of addicts called Finding Hope. Thank you for joining us today. On this episode, we will get to hear a personal testimony from a mom and a dad who are completely heartbroken and at a loss when they discover their daughter was addicted to pills and alcohol. I want to welcome to the podcast right now, Jan and Terry Keim. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. And um, I'm excited to hear your story and your journey with your daughter and the impact that it's had on you guys as a couple and your family. So one of you want to get us started and just tell a little bit more about, about you guys? Uh, hello, like Amy said, uh, we are Terry and Jan Keim. We live in Bigsby, Oklahoma. Uh, we are both fortunate to be retired, and we have uh, three or two beautiful daughters and two grandkids. Okay, and we're so glad. Um, I met you guys probably about five or six years ago. Um, you guys had just started a Finding Hope group there in Jinx, Oklahoma. And just kind of tell us your journey on what brought you to Finding Hope in the first place. Sure. Thank you, Amy. Um, probably in, I'll just, I'll just kind of go backwards a little bit with the story. Um, our daughter, our youngest daughter, Chelsea, um, she was raised in a loving Christian home. Uh, she was in church a lot, um, growing up. She was an athlete. She was a soccer player. Uh, so she spent a lot of her time in uh, on the soccer field, at tournaments, at games. Um, and her, I want to say her senior year uh, of high school, we began to notice a different set of friends. We began to notice uh, slipping grades. Um, and, of course, became concerned um, and... Looking back now, those are the a couple of the classic signs of addiction. We had no idea. Um, and then uh, fast forward, her uh, she moved out uh, at 19, so she was away from our home, um, attending college, mainly working, and 
Uh, fast forward to uh, her 20, she was 28 in the end of 2017. And during the 20s, uh, we noticed behaviors like not showing up for family functions, um, not communicating, and, and we know now that she was isolating. But it was just very up and down. We knew when, and kind of came to expect if we invited her to something, more than likely she was not going to show up. So through all this, I'm so glad you mentioned you saw a shift Yes, her senior year. because. I have people ask me all the times, what are the signs? And you saw different friend group grades um, and then continued on to missing family events and the isolation, not communicating. What did you think was going on through all of this? Chelsea had struggled with anxiety, depression through her, probably her later teen years. So I attributed a lot of that to her struggles with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, I I did not, I mean, I didn't even think about substances because I didn't have any experience with that or actually friends that were dealing with it. So it was just something not in, not in my realm of experience. So I didn't even think about addiction. I didn't even think about that she might be struggling with substances or alcohol. Um, I knew, and this is another sign, I knew that some of her friends were struggling and that should have been a sign that her friend group was using, her friend group was experiencing some problems with addiction. So looking back, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Um that should have been a red flag. So, um, so Terry, through all of this, when you when she was isolating, not communicating, what as a father of a daughter, I know that relationship's different um, than a mother and a daughter. So, what were you feeling and going through all of that? Well, at the at the time. Um, During her high school years, Chelsea and I were very, very close. Um, We spent a lot of time together, and, you know, I was out in the soccer fields with her, and um, it was just her and I had a very close relationship. And then I know when the the set of friends changed and her interest in in, uh, soccer faded, um, her interest in me faded. Mm -hmm. And um, we did not communicate, and uh, she just uh, did not have much of a... a, uh, communication line to me um so uh, i was uh i was hurt i was uh just kind of concerned and didn't know where she was at at the time i mean uh spiritually she was uh she was off the map Uh, she had stopped going to church with us on uh on sunday and uh it was it was just it was just uh it's very tough and you know you always look back and and think of all the things you should have and would have done. And, and uh, uh, it was a tough time. It was a tough time. But like I said, our communication was pretty much non-existent. Yeah. I can't imagine if you're super close and then all of a sudden it stops. So when did you discover she was abusing pills or alcohol? It was the end of, it was about 2017. It was around the holidays. One of her 
close friends called me and said, Chelsea needs help. Uh, she put up the, the, you know, the, the flag, basically. She needs help. I've done everything I can to help her. Um, and you guys need to know what's going on. She has addiction problems. She didn't go into great detail, but I was kind of in disbelief. It was a busy time we were dealing with uh, aging parents, so a lot of health issues there. So we were very, you know, consumed with that. Um, so we contacted Chelsea and had just a, a sit down with her and said, what is going on? And thankfully, she told us, she was very truthful and said that she needed help. She was ready for help. And she had tried to stop. She was addicted to Xanax. Mm -hmm. It was a doctor's prescription, but she could not, it became, you know, her, she couldn't get enough. Okay. So she started going to the street to get um, her prescription. And um, she said, I can't do this on my own. She, she knew enough to know that um, this is something that had kind of taken over and consumed her life. But also during that time, she went through a lot of jobs. There were a lot of um, car accidents. So we were replacing a lot of cars, a lot of vehicles, and helping her with that. So again, here's another sign that we didn't know what to attribute to. Um, she was There were always requests for money and continuing requests for money. Um, and, you know, that put a strain on us and our communication with each other. Um, and, I mean, it was just a very difficult time. And at, at the point where she asked for help, we got in touch with a family friend, and um, he helped us get her into treatment. He was familiar with that community and, and helped us get her into treatment. And so she went through detox and a 30-day program and then stayed in their transitional living program. Uh, and we went to family counseling there and began to learn about addiction. I tried to read everything I could because I knew nothing. Uh, tried to talk to people who had had experience with it. And a lot of the family counseling sessions were quite eye-opening um, and interesting, um, but, and I'll let Terry kind of talk about, we had a, a counselor there that we grew to love, but I'll let him talk a little bit about Daryl. Well, um, one of the, one of the counselors, Daryl, was, he is a recovering meth addict, a uh, very big husky man that, uh, uh, put the fear of God into you real fast. But I remember the first uh, meeting we had was Chelsea uh, was sitting in between Jan and I. And, uh, of course, I had my very unforgiving and bitter face on. And he just kind of looked at me. He goes, so uh, you call yourself a Christian? I said, yeah, I'm a Christian. He goes, hmm. He goes, how many Christians you know that don't forgive? Mm. And it just hit me right in the middle of the, of the of the eyes, and that was a that was a very uh, big wake up call. And 
uh, at that moment, I just knew that uh, I had to, I had to work on uh, becoming forgiving for um, something that my daughter I felt like she um, she had done. Uh, little did I know that uh, addiction was a disease, but that's where uh, a lot of the the forgiveness started. But um, the story of of how Jan and I got into finding hope is 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 definitely a God thing. Um, during the time that Chelsea was in uh, recovery or in detox, and and uh, we had tried so many different organizations and we just never felt comfortable never felt comfortable didn't find that fit well um we're fortunate enough uh, at our church um we help host a new members group and uh it's a luncheon and one sunday um, we were hosting one of those and our associate pastor uh, said that they've got some new plans for some new classes coming up for wednesday night midweek and one of those classes was called Finding Hope. And he said, Finding Hope is a, a group of, of people that, um, loved ones that are in the middle of addiction. It's not for the addict, but it's for the family. And Jan and I just kind of looked at each other and said, oh my goodness, this is a God thing. So after the meeting, we went up and talked to him and said, hey, we're, we're all in. We, we want to be part of this. And he just kind of looked at us. He goes, Good deal because you are now our new leaders, and that's, <laughs> and that's how it started. So uh, God was in the middle of this, and uh, through the Finding Hope group, we've we've grown immensely. Yeah, I'm going to back up just a little bit. So when you discovered, learned about Chelsea's addiction, and you Jan said you went to books, you read, 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 talked to people, trying to just understand what was going on. Terry, what did you do as a dad? Uh, before the before the, the the counseling and the finding mm -hmm. hope, I just sat in my chair and stewed okay. and just uh, bitter and mad and said, "This can't be happening to us." And uh, I was just uh, I was I wasn't any help at all. It was uh, I was just. Uh, stewing basically and is it fair to say you're very angry oh absolutely okay yeah, yeah very angry so you were just sitting there angry not understanding where jan went into okay i'm gonna read 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 learn as much as i can and it's very interesting because i see when i talk to people on the phone a lot like marriages it, through this, it can easily destroy marriages of addiction um, when your son or your daughter is in it. And um, we've seen it happen over and over again. And so I love the fact that you guys have started this group and you've come together as a couple in your own recovery. And so you've kind of talked a little bit, but what have you learned? Why do you feel it is so important that you two are in recovery separate from Chelsea? Chelsea's in her own recovery. Why is it so important that you guys are in recovery and attending this Finding Hope with others? I think, you know, we can as, as loved ones and especially parents, spouses can become as sick as our, our addict, our loved one. And so we have to also recover and find healing. So helping others and 
trying to help others walk through this has been tremendously healing for us. Um, helping them, I mean, it's just so gratifying to see the progress when people first come into the class and they're so, they, you know, oftentimes they cry the whole time. They're very emotional. Uh, they just need someone that understands that, um, just someone that understands what they're going through and that they're, they're not alone. And often you feel very alone in the beginning. And so that's what I love about Finding Hope is that you find a community that gets it. And I like what you said, we feel alone as loved yeah. ones. And I heard you talk about that with Chelsea. She mm. was isolating. Mm -hmm. So it's similar, right? Absolutely. And you know, you said we're as sick as our loved ones. I sometimes think we are even more sick mm -hmm. because we are do, going and doing everything and anything to get them clean and sober. We neglect our own needs. We forget about us. We forget about eating sometimes, about going to it. We cancel doctor's appointments. We forget about taking care of us that we get to be so sick trying to just fix them. Exactly. Um, Terry, what have you observed as you've been going to find hope? What have you learned? Well, you know, the, the, the way we start meetings is, is the slogan. There, there is hope. Um, you're not alone. And, um, and, and it's not your fault. And every one of those is something that I needed uh, when all this started. And uh, first of all, I thought it was my fault. I thought, well, I should have done this. I should have done that. And if I would have done that, she wouldn't have been in this situation. Um, and absolutely, like the isolation, both of us thought we were the only ones going through this. And uh, we know now that uh, there are uh, lots of people going through this. And now we can, we can actually show the last thing is there is hope because Chelsea has... has She's, she's in recovery and she's doing well. Um, we have that hope. And um, I just hope that our story uh, can help someone that's coming to our class for the first time and, and just having to start dealing with this. And they can see that uh, there is hope. So uh, it's, it's been a, uh, an incredible journey. Um, and it's something that Jan and I will uh, this class will be something that we probably will do for the rest of our lives. I love that you said that because so many times I see when loved ones, when our loved ones get sober and clean, the family stops get, taking care of themselves. And it's so important that we stay in recovery just like our loved ones. And I, something that you said, Terry, it just made me think addiction doesn't discriminate. And, you know, you see that in our groups. You're so scared to go in because you're worried and that fear and that shame. But then you walk in, it's like your daughter grew up in a Christian home, had everything she could want, um, soccer, doing all this, and this disease still got her. That's right. And it's nothing you did as parents. And if parents are out there listening, it's nothing you did. It's not your fault. And so if there are other moms and dads, I'm going to start with you, Jan. If there's another mom out there listening right now, what advice or encouragement would you give that mom? I would for sure want her to find a community like Finding Hope that 
you can invest your time in. And in that group, you can meet others who have who are on the same journey, maybe at different levels, but you're going to find a lot of wisdom in those rooms of people that can help you, can be a hope dealer for you. Um, but find a community like that that you just pour into and um, especially a faith-based community because you're uh, you're like-minded and I would just encourage people to find that group like finding hope that they can get involved with. Terry, what would you say to other dads that are out there listening? The thing with with the finding hope and I'll just be very open and honest that the the fathers and men are not as involved as they should be and i mean i'm not going to put a guilt trip on anybody but the fathers need to be involved and um i know because it's it's hard for me uh, a lot of the a lot of the classes deal with feelings with emotions and you know what men don't do that very well and no I'll they don't <laughs> and um but yet i feel even with having to feel feelings and feel emotions. Um, it's just something that, that we as men have to, we're, we're gonna have to do to get through this because um, our loved one needs our support. That is so critical. And if they see that we're in this class and in this Finding Hope class, um, trying for ourselves to get better uh, that may just give them the reason to say, "Hey, my dad's in there. I, I need to I need to try to do this for him, just to show him that I can try also." So, I just uh, I just uh, I just hope that that we can get more men involved because it is important, and I think that uh, our loved one will see that um, devotion for them by being in the class. Will you share, we were talking briefly before we got on the podcast, um, you just recently had a Finding Hope meeting, and we've been talking about your guys' story in your journey, but you shared two quotes um, from members. Um, can you, will you share that real quick with the viewers, and we'll wrap it up. You bet. So we had kind of an interesting meeting last night with power outages and a storm that came in, so we just took the time, and I, that's what I love about our group. They're so flexible, and they still showed up. Um, and we just, we did basically a long numbers activity and just shared where we were at. And one mom in particular said, I really think that my loved one, my loved one in addiction would not be here today had I not invested and come to Finding mm, Hope so good. because I, I would not have the tools to cope with that and to show her that I was willing to invest and recover also. And that encouraged her. And then another one said, yes, I don't think my husband and I would still be married mm -hmm. if we were not a part of Finding Hope because it helped us get on the same page and heal together. And that was just very very encouraging I think to the we had two new people there last night and I just think that that was exactly what they needed to hear absolutely so as we wrap this up I just want to touch on some points and um, 
So if viewers, or if you're out there listening right now and wondering, is my son, my daughter, my husband, my dad, my brother, sister, are they in addiction? Um, right here, Jan listed some signs, different friend group, isolation, grades dropping, missing family events, job losses, many cars asking for money over and over again. And you might be seeing these signs and it's hard to admit that they might have a problem. And so they just talked about how important it was to seek help for themselves, to come to this community, like finding hope and to listen and learn from one another. I'm so grateful um, for both of you for um, joining us today and just being so open and honest and um you guys are amazing leaders, and we're so grateful for you for being a part of this ministry and for your journey and to pouring into other members and just seeing the fruits of that from those two members yesterday. And their loved ones might not be sober and clean, but they are healing and they're in the process and they're healing their own marriages. And so I like to end my podcast each week with a challenge and i asked you both before what would you challenge our viewers and one of you you guys talked about is seek help for yourself seek that help look for help admit that you have a problem find that safe place and um, jan you mentioned at the end to find that community get that community that support group surround yourselves by others so if you're listening that is our challenge this week get in that community today so thank you so much for joining us this week. And you can learn more about Finding Hope at findinghope.today. But before you go, I would love for you to give us a five-star review, share this on your social media, and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss our next hope-filled episode. Thanks again for joining me, Amy LaRue, and our special guests, Terry and Jan Kime, in this episode of Finding Hope. And remember, you are not alone. It's not your fault. There is hope. This episode of the Finding Hope podcast was brought to you by Hope is Alive Ministries. To learn more about Hope is Alive, visit our website at hopeisalive.net. If you are in need of immediate assistance, don't wait. Call us now at 1-844-3-HOPE-NOW. That's 1-844-3-HOPE-NOW. To find out more about Finding Hope and how you can get involved in a meeting close to you, visit findinghope.today.